When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the NFL has had plenty of chances to redeem themselves in the eyes of the public, but have they done so? Absolutely not. And now they are putting out another line of merchandise that will definitely make you scratch your heads. Guys, Outkick the Morning starts right now. Hello, everyone. Good morning to you. Welcome to Outkick the Morning. I'm Charlie Arnold. Quick update for everybody that I'm sure was very, very desperate to get this information. I did not go to the gym yesterday. I know I said I was going to get back on the bandwagon after taking a multi-day hiatus, doing nothing but eating. Uh, but, you know, I started walking to yoga yesterday. And I got halfway there and just decided I didn't feel like doing yoga. And that's my whole excuse. I just decided I didn't want to do it. So I turned it back around and I went home and I didn't work out for the day. But that's okay, uh, because today now marks day one. Uh, so there you go. There's your update. Now, I have some other very exciting information, because with the gift-giving holidays right around the corner, are you looking for a special something for your special someone? Well, look no further than the Inspire Change Collection from the NFL. And for all you single guys out there, be warned. These are going to be total chick magnets. Okay. Cut. I'm totally joking. Uh, this line is not cool. Uh, it's definitely not going to help you get girls, at least not real ones, uh, because the Inspire Change Collection spans the teams in the league. It has their respective logos on it. But in addition, the hats are also adorned with phrases like economic opportunities, police community relations, criminal justice reform, social justice, and the list goes on. Uh, this is crazy, isn't it? Uh, this is literally the opposite of sports. Like, this is just pure and other, utter woke politics. It is clear the NFL has no intention of distancing itself from these type of politics, which they have come to be known for, and instead have become a walking advertisement for the policies and organizations that are literally running our country into the ground. And let's not forget when we see them rolling out this Inspire Change merchandise, how slow the rollout has been for the NFL to rally behind Israel. So far, only 13 teams in the league have put out statements to condemn Hamas, while 19 still remain mum. Now compare this to how quick they all were to jump on the BLM bandwagon, which, as we know, is nothing short of a criminal organization based on nothing but lies, which contributed to massive riots in our country, destroying private property everywhere, embezzling funds, and even after BLM made it very clear they are pro-Hamas, the NFL and team still have yet to cut ties. Nor have they banded together to voice their outrage against the terrorist attacks that took the lives of thousands of innocent victims. So, is any of this going to make a difference? With NFL's viewership numbers being as high as they are, of course it's not going to make a difference. Uh, this is the most popular sport in America that we're talking about, but... I'm hoping that maybe some people have some common sense or maybe at least some dignity or 
at the very least, maybe they just have a little bit of fashion sense to not buy these idiotic hats, which couldn't be more hypocritical given the climate in the NFL's ongoing associations. Okay, so you've heard my thoughts on it. I want to get the thoughts of another guy that I know, I love, and respect. He is the host of Don't At Me. He is Mr. Dan Dockich. Oh, man, I'm wonderful. I'm on the Colts bandwagon. I heard you talking about working out or not working out. Every Sunday, I make an announcement to my wife and my children that this is it. We're going on a diet. We're eating healthy. And then by Wednesday, it's over. So I am on Team Charlie. You do you, girlfriend. I know. You know, it's tough. Like, once you fall off, it's tough to get back on. So that is the goal, as it was yesterday, as it was the day before and the day before Dan, today's the day, uh, but we'll get into yeah, uh, we'll get day. into all that. Like when, once we actually follow through uh, with these promises, uh, we'll chat about it. Uh, right now, I want to get your thoughts on what the NFL is doing. I know you've gotten a look at this Inspire Change merchandise. I mean, first of all, just how stupid does this look? If you actually are an NFL fan and this is the hat you decide to buy, rather than just a traditional hat with your team's right. logo, and you decide to buy or one that says like "Police Reform" on it, I mean. You're definitely getting judged, right? Yeah, I think the day has passed. I think we've seen, okay, a couple years ago when everybody, particularly white people, were scared to speak out about anything, right? I mean, you're going to be racist hell. ESPN got mad at me because I said I wouldn't go in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife. I mean, I get it. But now people have seen what happens when you don't have policing. People have seen what happens in places like Minnesota where clowns run the show and they don't want it. Look, I, I get your pandering, but exactly. Here's my question. Here's my question. People say inspire change. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. I'm looking at this organization and the places where the money goes and do people really want this change? What change do you want? Do you want no prisons? None? Zero? Do you want no right. police? No detention? No sentencing? I mean, look, I, Charlie, it's cute. Inspire change. And whenever I see that in an NFL game or I see that on the back of a guy's helmet, I want to I ask, what do you want changed? Like, do you want a utopian society? We got 350 million people in this country. People are going to have different opinions. So on this website that apparently something called the Justice Resource Center received $300,000, and they don't want, listen to this, a world without prisons, policing for prosecution. What? We've seen. But, but I get it. I do. Summer of love. All the crap, you know, a couple of years ago when when – Idiots ran our cities and burned them down. And we said, oh, that's great because I don't want to be called racist. That's past. You know, it, being called racist is like what I do for breakfast because I don't agree. Change, sure, change. But don't tell me you're giving money to an organization that doesn't want prosecutors, police, or you don't want any type of policing. It's idiotic. Yeah, I think the change that we want to see is actually the opposite of, of what's being represented on this line of merchandise, right? I right. mean, like you just said. Do you think, though, I mean, the NFL has to be aware, right? They're, they're uh, the money that's uh, helping to fund, you called it the uh, uh, the Justice Resource Center. Uh, what, what was it called exactly? Well, it was, it was a group out of uh, Oregon, shockingly enough. Uh, the Community Justice Exchange... And the group mm -hmm. is also, it's called Oregon Justice Resource Center. And these folks got $300,000. Listen to this. Here it is. 
We need social workers and programs, not police. We need truth in action, not empty gestures and platitudes. Really? That's all you are is empty gestures and platitudes because you need police. You're not going to have a social worker go into a house. Anybody ever been to these places where most of the murders happen? A social worker isn't going in there and straightening this out. Neither is a cop. But you need somebody to show there are consequences. Oh. for. It's just a stupid conversation. Well, and also, I, you're probably aware uh, that they're also uh, diversifying the social workspace. Uh, if you don't fall into a minority, uh, you're also less likely these days to become a social worker. So not only do they want to replace police with social workers, uh, but there's only certain types of people now that will go on to become social workers. So we see where this is going. Yeah, of course. And, you know, well, you know, you're a white guy. You can't go into black community. You're a black guy. You can't go into white community. What? Shut the hell up. I mean, look, I, I don't know what the end game here is. The end game here, it seems to be like I, you want to take over the world with stupidity, socialism. I don't know, communism. I don't know what it is, but people need to stand up. No, you're not going to get people to watch the NFL. You're just not. I mean, people are going to watch the NFL. Uh, there's a lot of reasons you watch the NFL. It's very easy to bet. It's an easy watch. But the truth of the matter is the NFL product is going south. NFL, actually, I think we talked about it, you know, with the officiating went so diverse. But this is just offensive. It really, this whole thing with Inspire Change is just offensive. What do, Commissioner Goodell, what exactly do you want changed? What could you possibly want? You make $44, $48, $50 million to run a freaking football league. What do you want changed, sir? And you know what he'll say? Well, we want equity, diversity, and inclusion, blah, 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 blah. It's all, it's all crap. Yeah, well, that's, that's only for the purposes of uh, investments and, and profits. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they themselves actually believe anything uh, that they're preaching no. to the rest of us. No, absolutely not. Uh, no chance. Uh, okay, Dan, let's turn to uh, college football. Uh, last night, the college football uh, playoff selection committee committee uh, had a lot of people scratching their heads uh, because of the latest rankings. Uh, they moved Florida State back into the number four spot and the chance, of course, for a national title. Uh, they didn't move Alabama up from number eight, meaning the Crimson Tide likely will not have the chance to play for a national title, even if they beat Georgia this weekend in the SEC title game. A lot of people were not expecting yeah, this last night. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Like, you know, you can make the argument that Oregon shouldn't be ahead of Ohio State. You know, Oregon lost to Washington. Okay, it's a nice team. Uh, but here, here's the thing with that kind of thing. It's all going to play itself out. You know, and I'm with you. Like, I, I don't know what happens if Alabama beats Georgia. I mean, frankly... I thought the best team that I saw over the Thanksgiving weekend was Texas. I mean, everybody told me that Texas Tech was a good football team, and I'm watching Texas, and they win like 57-7. to And so I'm I'm sitting here looking at this going, all right, Mm -hmm. this might actually be the first time, Charlie, that it gets intriguing. I'll tell you why. Every other year that I've watched this, I've always simply said, look, this is going to play itself out. But to your point about Alabama, I think I saw this the other day. There's a scenario where nobody from the SEC gets in if Alabama beats Georgia. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I'll tell you this. If I'm Ohio State and I lost basically a one-score game on the road at Michigan, 
who is the number mm-hmm. one or number two team in the country, depending who you ask. I'm a little pissed that I'm sitting there behind a, or, excuse me, a, a an yeah. Oregon team that lost to the number four team. Now it, that's going to play itself out. But I'm with you. I th- if, if you were going to ask me who's the four best teams in college football right now that I saw, I don't know. I, I would say Michigan and Georgia right now, but I would put Alabama and Texas in there. But it's all wow. going to play itself out maybe. It's first time. Watch out for Texas. Watch out for them. You, because of all this confusion, though, and it feels like there is a lot of diversity of thought here where, you know, even you, who, I mean, you're prob- I would say you probably are one of the, the leading experts, we'll call you, uh, in the country as far as, like, uh, fo- football goes and in – you have a great idea of who, of who should be in, who should be out at this point in time. Do you think that this strengthens the case, though, to expand the playoff field like they've been talking yeah. about? Because there is so much confusion yeah, I, surrounding who should be in? I do. I, I do. You're always going to get reasons for and against. And I guess you could say that some of these games haven't been as close. But, no, I think this is the one year where you go, man, we need 8 or 12. I, I really do. And, mm-hmm. look, I'm biased because what am I, Charlie? I'm a fat old bald guy, so I look for no, appointment on. TV, right? I, wa- I want to be able to sit down and watch more games. But, no, this year I could make the argument that you could go to eight teams. You could start at Georgia and the eighth yeah. team is Alabama and everybody in between would be a hell of a football game. You know, I don't know about Missouri. I don't know about Penn State, Mississippi. You know, maybe, but I would argue that you could go one through eight this year. You're telling me the eighth team, Alabama, against the one team, Georgia, you know, isn't going to be a great game. Of course it's going to be a great game. So I'm with you, Charlie. I think this is the year where people go, hold on. You know what? An eight-team playoff would be perfect for this year, and I wish we had it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would make for, like you said, more exciting games, uh, and be, and because there's so many circumstances in which, like you said, a team can get blown out, a team could win by one score. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to hinge it all on, I guess, at ultimately what becomes such little details that then completely determine how their season pans out or whether or not they get to go to the postseason. Uh, did you have something you wanted to say there? No, 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 no. I was listening. And you're right. Okay. I mean, look, you got a bunch of guys in a, in a committee that know football and they watch games. But, you know, I, 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 look, there's always going to be an argument about it. I'm curious if, though, on Saturday, this does play out where we have a clear four, but I don't see how it's going to. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about something that has become very clear, and that is the fact that Jim Harbaugh has made a lot of money. Uh, And some might say that he has not necessarily deserved the bonus money that he has been given. Uh, We look at what he's made so far. On Saturday, he got a half a million dollar bonus for the team beating Ohio State. And let's also keep in mind, he was not present at that game. He was still serving the last game of his three-game suspension. This weekend, Dan, if he wins the Big Ten Championship, which, again, he's he's able to be there – Uh, as the head coach, uh, because his suspension was only for those three games, he will get another million dollars. And then if his team does get into the college football playoffs, which it looks like they're they're all but guaranteed, another half a million dollars. So that's $2 million total in his pockets worth of bonuses. Uh, Despite serving several suspensions this season, does he deserve to be making this kind of money? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'll be curious about this because Harbaugh's been pretty good about sharing the sugar. He's been pretty good about giving his bonus money to others. If I'm Harbaugh, I'm giving – I don't know if I'm giving it all because, well – well, he's got a lot of money. I'm arguing with myself on your show. I think I would give it to Sharon Moore and my assistant coaches. In fact, I know I would. You know, yes. I mean, I'm sitting here arguing, like, would I keep some, would I not? The greedy in me came through there. But, no, I would give my bonus money uh, to them. I would. I would say, look, you guys coached it. Harbaugh was there for the week, but he didn't coach the game. And let's be honest, you can really screw up a game. There have been many, many coaches that have a great mm -hmm. game plan, but all of a sudden in the game, during the game, when the heat is on, they screw it up. And Sharon Moore did not screw it up, and neither did his assistant. So I would, I'm, I'm going to be curious. I criticize Harbaugh a lot, but the one thing I can't criticize him on is he's pretty generous with this stuff. Now, I don't know exactly when this will happen or if it will be public if it happens. I imagine it will. Yeah. But I would be surprised, given Jim Harbaugh's past, I think he'll give that money to his assistants. What will be interesting is if he'll give that some of that money to the guy who got fired, Partridge, and the other guy that got fired, the sign stealer, Kobe Stallions. <laughs> you know, there's precedent for this. Uh, back in Indiana when I was there in 08, Calvin Sampson uh, fired – well, they had to fire a guy named Rob Senderoff. He was a little cheater. Well, Sampson gives me my camp check, and he's like, hey, I need you to get so-and-so so this <gasps> money to Rob Senderoff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That money never saw Senderoff's hand. Screw him. He got fired. So anyway, Wait, <laughs> so for did cheating. you keep it? So there's present. <laughs> Hell yeah, I kept it. I think. I can't really remember, but I think I did. It wasn't that much money, but I wasn't giving it to Sender Off. I may have given it to charity. I may have given it to St. Aloysius <laughs> School. I may have gone out and bought myself a new TV. Well, I don't know. I but it wasn't going to go a nice piece of jewelry. I might have, but it wasn't going to the dude that got fired for cheating. I can tell you that much. Does does Calvin Sampson know that you didn't pass along the money that you were supposed to? He had bigger he had bigger problems. He he, he was he was battling. He might have I don't know, but I didn't really care. I I, I told him that now. I go coach. I don't know that. I don't think I'm funneling money to send her. He goes nah, just give it to him. And I could tell he wasn't that he didn't care. He just felt like he needed to. But yeah, it wasn't going to send her off. And you can, hey, look, statute of limitations. I don't know if it's wore out or not. You can come and cuff me if you'd like, but no cheat was going to get any money from me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they come I hope they come cuff you on my show because that would probably really be really great for ratings. That'd be fun. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm not afraid. I got cuffed twice. I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. I got thrown in the back of a police car after the national championship game in 1987 in New Orleans, and I didn't like it. I'm not in the cuffing, Wait, but what? hey, look, now if they want to get me for What were you arrested for? Uh, we were a bunch. I was a grad assistant. All the players and I were in uh, Pat O'Brien's, and I wouldn't leave. I, I kept, like, I don't even know why. And next thing you know, they got tired of me and uh, put me in the back of a police car. And I'm like, oh, this ain't good. And a federal judge from Indiana recognized me and got me out of it, along with my brother, who was a prosecutor uh, in Marion County. Yeah, I'm sitting in the back of a police car going, oh, man, this ain't going to be good. How am I going to explain this to Coach Knight? But thankfully, uh, there was no cameras. Thankfully, there was no Twitter. And thankfully, I got uh -uh. my fat ass out of there. Skinny at the time, but I got out of there. And I learned I didn't I like that say, cold steel around my wrist. I was very trim back then. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so wait, that was the yeah. first time. You said you've been in cuffs twice. What was the second incident? Yeah, well, it, it, it occurred when um, 
okay, we were playing hockey. <laughs> I used to go home in the summer or in the winter. No, it was no when what? No, we were in high school. I'm sorry. In high school, we used to rent out this skating rink. And long story short, we played the Russians against the uh, Americans. The Russians had to drink vodka. The Americans had to drink beer. Uh, we're driving back. My one friend didn't drive. Cops pulled us over. I got a big wad of tobacco. I open up the, I open up the sliding door of the uh, murder van that we were driving. And I spit out tobacco right on a cop's shoes. Uh, right on. I can still see it, Charlie. Uh, the beautiful shine oh shoes. Gosh. Bam, a big wad of chew. He throws me up against the wall, slaps some cuffs on me, and I'm like, oh, man, this ain't good. Uh, they had stopped us, and there were eight cop cars around us. They stopped us because uh, our van matched that that had committed a robbery. We obviously didn't, and I was let go. So I've had, I've had three times guns pulled on me, two times cuffed. That's my story. Oh, my gosh. Those are great stories. Uh, now we circle back to the conversation we were originally having. <laughs> Uh, about the potential of Harbaugh giving some of this bonus money to Sharon Moore, which I think that would be a very wise choice. And I have to imagine, because you weren't sure, you were speculating, maybe it would be public information, maybe not. I think given all of the damage that Harbaugh has done to his name and reputation this season, I think it would be very wise for him to make that information public. I think that might help to give him a little bit of boost, at least in a lot of people's eyes. And I would have to imagine if some of that money did go to Connor Stallions and Mike Partridge, probably going to do the opposite for his reputation. I think people would then say, hmm, maybe you were in on it. If you're supporting them to this extent, even after they were fired for cheating, you're still giving them money. So that's just my best guess. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Jim, whatever he does, like he helps somebody get a tree out of the middle of the road. Well, a lot of people help guys get trees out, and that was taped, and it was put out there, you know, earlier this year. So, yeah, I guarantee you it's out. He's smart. He's no dummy. He, he, he has been very strong in this publicly, but privately he's got to be a little bit embarrassed. And, look, you need all the good pub that you can get, and uh, I'm guessing he's going to get it. Uh, okay, now let's move on to um, another coach. Uh, you actually are hearing, Dan, that Indiana wants to move quickly in their college football hire for their head coaching position. Uh, Tom Allen, as we know, fired Sunday, walked away with $20 million in his pocket. Not bad. Uh, but they are looking to make a decision as early today, and we are hearing that John Gruden is on their list of candidates. What do you know, Dan? Well, I know I'm not sure he's on Scott Dolson, the athletic director's list, but I am sure 100% that John Gruden has big time interest in the job at Indiana University. I'm very good friends with one of Gruden's closest friends, and they, they, I say they, he hit me up uh, about Gruden and about Gruden's absolute interest. He wants the job at Indiana, and he has a background there. He, his dad coached at IU. He was a ball boy in the 70s for Bob Knight in our program at Indiana University. He has a lot of friends. In fact, uh, as I lived in Bloomington after I played and got to know most of the people you know, in and around sports in the community, most a lot of them were still childhood friends of John Gruden. So he absolutely wants the job, Charlie. Now, Indiana is going to be very thorough. Indiana thought, and I don't know who this is, and I don't even know if this is 100% accurate. I sound like Joe Biden here. 
But I was told Indiana thought they had their guy, and they're not sure right now, right? So I'm not 100% yeah. sure that that's accurate. I got told that from a guy that I trust, but I'm not sure. But mm -hmm. So they did hire a search firm, but if Indiana – if Indiana and Scott Dolson, the AD, is a very smart man. If Indiana wants to make a splash, they will at least talk to John Gruden. Now, people that are connected to Dolson are saying there's no way it's not going to happen. So maybe it's not. And the liberals in Indiana would probably freak out because Bloomington's the most liberal town in the Midwest. Probably freak out oh, about whatever happened. I can't remember. You know, is that a, yeah, is that a because fact? of Gruden's emails. Well, I, I just think because of the emails and. You know, you got to understand, Bloomington, uh, Bloomington needs something to complain about. They always have. Like, I, I stayed out and slept out over, uh, what was it called back in the day, uh, because some hot girl was sleeping out in Dunmeadow, and I'm like, yeah, I'll join the crusade against apartheid. You know, what are we doing in Bloomington about apartheid? But hell, hot girl asked me. I'm like, yeah, I'll sleep out there. Sure, it'd be great. So Bloomington needs a something. And if, if Gruden would come, I'm telling you, Charlie, Bloomington would complain, but it would be a great choice because that program has been bad. Real, three and 24 over the last three years. But Charlie... It's getting worse because USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington are coming into the Big Ten. That is not like a Wabash or DePaul or Indiana, Central Indiana, whatever. No, no. These are four big money programs. Mm -hmm. So it ain't getting easier for Indiana. And you need somebody that knows their way around it. Dan Mullen, the former Florida Mississippi State coach, told me on my show yesterday, no, he is not coming to Bloomington. You need somebody that knows oh. their way around it, Charlie. You just do. Interesting. Uh, a lot of things to take into consideration you wouldn't normally think would come along with taking a position as the head football coach at a, you know, major player in, in, in athletics. But well, I guess there's more to it than meets well, the eye. It, that's all to start with. But you and I both know, and you've seen it with Harbaugh, just win, baby. You win, all that stuff goes away, right? I mean, you know, Harbaugh is a hero because his team won. He'd be a zero if his team lost. So, you know, um, that, it, 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 it becomes a story. And then if you win, all that goes away. Absolutely. Uh, my main takeaway, though, Dan, out of that whole story that you told, that whole spiel that you just gave, was the lengths that you will go to to get the girl. And I... I respect that about you. I, I see how much energy yeah. and effort you put into your marriage, uh, and I respect that you were willing to camp out in the name of apartheid <laughs> for this girl back in college. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something hey. I know you wouldn't yeah. do now, though. I'm sure if your wife asked you to camp out for apartheid now, you'd probably be like, honey, I love you. No chance. Charlie, Charlie, I ran a half marathon to get my current wife. I ran a freaking half marathon. She asked me, hey, do you like Zach Brown? I've never heard of Zach Brown. I thought he was like a basketball <laughs> player. I'm like, I love Zach Brown. You kidding me? Then I had to go to Google and figure out who the Zach Brown band is. I ran a damn half marathon, Charlie, for the woman that I love. It's not, guys don't, you know this, guys are simple. Guys are easy. Guys are stupid. We'll do anything for love. Meatloaf wrote a song about oh. it. I honestly, I think things might have changed a little bit uh, since you were willing to run the half marathon. But yes, there still do exist <laughs> some men out there like yourself. And those are the ones we, we love and respect the most. Uh, OK, Dan, let's move Thanks. on, uh, because this has been a very interesting week 
as far as Mark Cuban is concerned. Okay, so earlier in the week, he announced he was leaving Shark Tank. Uh, he's currently on his 15th season. Next year will mark the 16th. After that, he's saying goodbye for good. Uh, and as we know, he's been one of like the OGs of the program since as long as we can remember. Uh, and now, the most recent news is that he's selling his majority stake in the Mavericks, uh, which is, is about 57% right now. Uh, he bought it for $285 million back in the day, now selling it for $3.5 billion. Um, and he's selling it uh, to a guy who apparently is in the business of casinos in Vegas. Uh, he's a big-time uh, businessman. He's also a Republican. Uh, so things are, are very interesting right now. It doesn't seem like something Mark Cuban would initially get his hands dirty with. Uh, but I guess when you're looking to make lots of money, uh, you can finally put your politics aside. When you hear about all of this news, you think that Mark well, Cuban is having know, some sort of a midlife crisis? Or is there is there some, um, I guess, uh, you know, is there something to all of this madness? Well, people are concerned that he's going to move the or the Adelson group, uh, Miriam Adelson, uh, Adelson, who bought the team from Cuban, is going to move the team to Vegas. Cuban has come out and said, no, I, I, I don't know if I would call it a crisis. I would maybe call it a midlife smartening up. Like, you know what? Oh. When you get, as you know, when you get into this thing, see, you got to understand something about Cuban. First off, we all knew Cuban when he owned a bar in Bloomington. And then he walked out on that bar owing $10,000. Uh, he and his partner, Mark Wagner, left Bloomington, went to D uh, Dallas. Wagner, who's actually the brains behind it, made more money than Cuban, but Wagner has lived a private life in Dallas. Wagner's mother and my mother are very good friends, but Wagner is over here. Cuban has always been in the forefront. So you got to understand that at some point a guy gets tired of that. At some point a guy's like, yeah, I don't need to film this show anymore. Yeah, I don't need to do this. I've done this long enough. So I understood the Shark Tank thing. The ownership piece of the Dallas Mavericks is interesting because he still retains basketball operations. He still retains who's going to be right. the coach, who's going to be the GM, what we're going to do. And that's fascinating to me. And I've always thought of Mark Cuban as the one guy, Charlie, in the NFL that is like, like his neighbor, Jerry Jones. He wants to be the GM. He wants to be the coach, although he would never put himself in that position. He wants to be the guy that isn't just an owner sitting over here. So I think it's kind of ideal. He made billions off of the deal to buy the Mavericks. He gets to get out of the headaches. He gets to get out of the pain yeah. in the backside of in Shark Tank, let somebody else do it. But I still get to be the guy that runs the team. I think it's brilliant by Cuban, frankly. But I would be concerned about moving to Vegas because the folks, the Adelson, they are Vegas people, period. I mean, everything is moving to Vegas right now. It's, it's crazy how much traction right. Las Vegas has gotten in these last few years. I mean, they've become almost like the mecca for sports. I mean, every single major franchise is now in Las Vegas. Um, and also, as we know, the, you know, the NBA rankings, they just continue to go down. Uh, they realize this. They're doing nothing to help stop the skid. Uh, they're very well aware of the decline. So, yeah, you're right. It does make sense. Uh, that this would be the ideal time to get out and still have a hand in the business, helping to make the decisions. Obviously, he's very passionate about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just also, though, he's been such a strong, I mean, just money aside, though, I mean, in terms of all of the 
you know, woke insanity. Mark Cuban's really been at the forefront of a lot of it. I mean, in terms of COVID, he denied the reporter the interview uh, because she wasn't vaccinated. Uh, so the fact that he would get into business um, with Miriam Edelson, who, you know, her and her deceased husband, massive Trump supporters, still, all things considered, a, a little bit surprising for Mark Cuban. But, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's all hey. about Benjamin's baby. Charlie, it, money talks and BS walks. And that's simply what you're seeing here. And you're right. You know, if I were the NBA, I would ask, I would, I, whoever Mark Cuban trusts in that office, maybe it's Adam Silver, I'd have a serious talk about where Cuban thinks the NBA is headed. Just his darkest, deepest, most real thoughts. Because to your point, ratings are going down. Interest is waning. And I would say, wait, what do you think? Why did you sell at this particular time? And you would hope you'd get a real answer. And to your point about Vegas, uh, Vegas is interesting because Vegas was always taboo, right? We can't have teams in Vegas, blah, 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 blah. Well, not only are professional teams there, but there were five conference basketball tournaments. The tournaments that decide who goes to the NCAA tournament were hosted in Vegas damn near at the same time last year and coming up this year. So Vegas is in play. LeBron James has talked openly about wanting to be the guy that brings a team to Vegas when his playing career is done. So this is, this is where it's headed. Now people can say it's not, that's fine, but it is. You got the Raiders, oh, no, you got sure the Golden is. Knights. Yeah, you're going to have it, Charlie. It's automatic. The A's, the A's just relocate, or they just announced their relocation. Right, right. I mean, look, you don't think basketball is going to follow? You, you don't think basketball, the NBA, is going to be in Vegas? You got baseball coming oh there. Gosh. You got the Raiders going there. You got the Golden Knights. Of course it's coming there. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, well, and then you just see all of the infrastructure they're putting in as well. The Sphere's there now. The Super Bowl's going to be there in February. Right. Uh, it's definitely headed in this direction. Uh, Dan, I have to right. say goodbye. I don't want to, but they're making me. <laughs> Charlie, I love talking to you. I hear we're doing this every Wednesday. Yeah, I'm in. I, I'm in. We, I, that, hey, you just, you just made my day because I didn't know that yet. So that's fantastic news. Well, maybe I jumped a gun. I don't know. I do that sometimes, too. <laughs> I don't know. I love that about you. I got uh, stories, Dan, Charlie. have a fantastic Wednesday. Thank and, you. Um, you, too. Thanks for having me. And we will regroup and find out if we both got back on our, our workout goals this week. So hopefully <laughs> we can get there. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Bye. All right. Um, okay. Let's get to our final story. And that is that Mark Zuckerberg is well aware that social media is horrible for your mental health. And guess what, guys? He does not care. Surprise, right? Uh, and why should he? He has become a billionaire uh, from the meta platforms that he has helped to found, including Facebook and Instagram. And now, according to a lawsuit, Zuckerberg allegedly rejected a proposal to ban filters from his platforms that you're, you're familiar with them. They simulate the effects of plastic surgery despite the known harm that the technology has on the mental health of young girls. Also, older girls, okay? 
Let's be honest here. It affects all of us women. Uh, the complaint was filed by 33 states against Meta and claims that the filters, which brighten up your skin, they smooth out your skin, they contour your features, that they, quote, promote young users' body dysmorphia, and that Meta knows what it is doing. They know it's bad for kids, period. And let's be honest, it is. Users, especially young girls who have tons of vulnerabilities, they're being exploited, and it's having a horrible, damning effect on their mental health. Listen to these numbers. Since 2010, when social media started becoming very popular and more mainstream, three in every 100,000 girls were committing suicide. This was between the ages of 10 and 19 years old. By 2020, just nine years later, that number climbed to three and a half in every 100,000 girls. So let's talk about this because it all makes complete sense to me. I'm obviously not a young girl between the ages of 10 and 19, and God bless you if you thought that I was. Uh, but I'm one to use social media all the time. It's part of my job. And filters are one of the easiest options when you want to hop on there and post a quick video and maybe you're not looking your best. So you're like, okay, I'll throw a filter on. Well, you can literally go from getting out of bed and looking like you just got hit by a truck to looking like a complete beauty queen. I mean, here's an example. Uh, you can see this girl, stunning, right? I mean, it looks like she just got done with a beauty pageant. You know, same with this girl. You can see the differences. Uh, okay, we have a video. Let's, let's take a look at something to really give you an example of how crazy filters have gotten these days. This is doing plastic surgery. Here's the filter, and here's no filter. I'm resisting the urge to say that the filter makes me look better because it doesn't, because I'm beautiful the way that I am. First of all, it's making your top lip bigger. That's obvious. There you go. It's also lifting your nose. Did you see that? And oh, then yeah. it's not only adding makeup, but it's elongating the eye sideways and it's lifting and pulling the eyebrows without the filter, with the filter. It's even like giving you a scrunch, like it's taking your eyebrows and making them like that. It's also lightening your eyes and clearing your skin, except my pimple prevails. It's enhancing your yeah. hairline and making these ever so subtle changes, but they're not possible with. I mean, why would you go on Instagram without the filter? You look so much better. I mean, it's like you just had instant plastic surgery, but the problem is, is that you get used to seeing yourself with the filter on Instagram. And then when you take it off in your mind, even though this is what you normally look like, you feel uglier than before when you saw yourself with the filter, because now you have an unrealistic expectation of what you should look like. And not to mention when you get on Instagram or Facebook or any of the apps these days, you're seeing everybody else post with filters. I would venture to say that there are very few people these days that do not post with a filter. There are even filters that are maybe a bit more subtle, right? Some of them are very extreme, where you can look at someone and say, whoa, like that looks nothing like the person. But there are others where there are subtle changes, just smooths out your skin just a little bit. Like I said, maybe plumps up your lips a little bit, maybe add some lashes to your face. But it's enough that when you look at those people, you say, wow, they are gorgeous. And then you start feeling worse about yourself. What does this do to your mental health? It, it, it aids it in completely deteriorating. Uh, and I will say that it got to a point where I was always posting with a filter for a while, and I wouldn't go on without a filter. Even I'm saying these subtle ones, just because it made me feel better, and I was constantly comparing myself to what I look like with a filter versus not one. Constantly comparing myself to what other women look like, even though I knew they had a filter. Now, I have made a very conscious effort to get on Instagram with no filter. 
I mean, yes, do I look for good lighting? Sure, uh, because lighting and bad angles can be torturous to what you look like. Uh, but I have noticed the less that I start using filters, that the more confident I have become on getting on Instagram without the filters. And I think that's very important. Uh, but Mark Zuckerberg obviously realizes the harm and detriment these filters are having on young girls. He doesn't care uh, because he sees the popularity that it's having. People want to use these filters. They're not going to want to let go of them, regardless if they know themselves it's having a very detrimental, de detrimental effect on their mental health. Um, so that's where we stand. Are we going to see any changes happening? I don't know. Like I said, there's a lawsuit now in effect. Uh, perhaps, uh, but I would venture to say no. And unfortunately, I just think we are headed down a very slippery slope. Uh, we've already seen in the past uh, several very prominent people who you never would never expect to commit suicide take their own lives. And, and I would definitely pinpoint social media as being one of the reasons that probably uh, led to their mental health not being in such a great place. Uh, everybody, that being said, I hope you all are taking care of yourself. Uh, if you are using those filters, maybe... Try something different for the day. Try not using a filter, of course. Like I said, search for that good angle, get the good light. Uh, but let's try to use filters a little bit less. That can be a goal for ourselves, uh, as well as getting to the gym. Again, a goal of mine today. Uh, anyways, everyone, thank you so much for being here with me. Please make sure to subscribe, get the alerts, uh, like and follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. And with that, everybody, get ready, because I'm back here same time tomorrow. See you then.